Frank, it is that time of the year. Can you believe it? It is a lightning talk round. Episode 80, we both look forward to this. Not that we ever have trouble coming up with ideas. The problem is we always have too many ideas. And sometimes they're not even the greatest ideas. So we do the lightning talks. Five minutes. How many topics? Six, seven, eight, 20? I can't ever remember. No, we're going to do six topics, just like always, (laughs) Frank. So yeah, you're correct. So so if you're a brand new listener, you've only tuned in to Merge Conflict in the last few episodes or since the New Year's, well, Happy New Year. But also every 10 episodes, we like to break it up because we do like to go really deep into topics. But like Frank said, we just literally have so many topics and all of you, our awesome listeners are always writing in and you're telling us like, hey, you know, I would love if you could talk about this, talk about this. So we want to talk about it. So Frank came up with this idea. I'll just say that Frank came up mm, with it. Thanks. I like taking credit yeah, for things, even if it's a complete <laughs> lie. Sure. <laughs> but Frank came up with this great idea of saying like, hey, well, let's just do five minutes each of a few topics. And it's great because we reach out to Twitter and now we have our Patreon um, patrons, Patreon mm-hmm. patrons, our patrons, yeah. which we uh, we asked to do a bunch of lightning talks. So they get priority, which is cool. Um, yeah, that's the first time we actually got questions from Discord. So hail Discordia. Discordia. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. I don't know. This is kind of my favorite because we get to show up. We actually not only got some from the listeners, but we have some like really cool late breaking news that we just want to talk about. So sometimes we sneak our own topics in there. So <laughs> we would never do that. Oh, these are all from the community. <laughs> never our but pet yeah. topics that we just want to talk about this week. <laughs> so what we do is we essentially do five minutes and when we're done with the five minutes it's over like that's it right so we mm-hmm. we have strict guidelines in our little zen cast where we're like seven minutes 15 minutes and gone <laughs> yeah you used to it? get nervous yeah i don't get nervous anymore i feel like i should get nervous for getting nervous but it's not happening i think we got this it's gonna be yeah, exciting this is good all right here we go uh <laughs> topic number one i think that you i mean i'm pretty excited about this but you may have just flipped over dropped out of your chair <laughs> when you saw this so miguel de acasa mm-hmm. um you know creator of gnome of xamarin and all this great stuff i love miguel he tweeted today he says he's very excited to announce for the next two years don syme from microsoft research will be joining the xamarin team mm-hmm. on assignment to help make f sharp better for mobile and cloud users. Uh, Don will be continuing his F-sharp language design and compiler work as a major part of this, which is really cool because one, Miguel really used 240 characters. Well, 280 <laughs> characters. He really made yeah. best use of characters. Well, you um, have to. This was a big announcement. So if you don't know, Don Syme is the inventor of F-sharp. F-sharp has its lineage. It comes from ML and all that. But he's the one that had the great idea of let's take a proper functional language and put it onto .NET. And he's been working on this thing forever through Microsoft Research. Uh, he's been very active in the community. He really spearheaded the community efforts towards um, well, F-sharp's an open source language now so you know he had to build up the community has to manage all the prs all the repos and at the same time guide the language and all that and so it's super cool that he's gonna focus now on the mobile side of making sure that f 
F-sharp runs great over there. Now, anyone who knows, I've been doing F-sharp programming forever, not forever, a few years on mobile, and it's worked out pretty well. But I wouldn't say that it's been a perfectly smooth ride. There's always kinks in the road, especially F-sharp has a lot smaller of a user base than C-sharp. So, you know, little bugs don't get caught. The more users you have, the more bugs get caught. So this is super cool having him um, devoting his attention to making sure that the mobile world is all set and ship and shape. Yeah, I think that this was really spearheaded because there was a few conversations on Twitter. And you know, Don, Don has reached out to me a few few times, actually, no name dropping, little, little <laughs> Don Syme emails, mm. um, just inquiring about that and how many people are interested. And there's a lot of great companies that use F-Sharp, a lot of great developers that are interested in F-Sharp. You know, at our user group out here in Seattle, we had like a F-Sharp run where I tried That's to right. attempt to learn F-Sharp and I still can't <laughs> figure it out, but maybe... It'll be integrated. You know, you're doing a disservice you know, there, sir. You got to sound positive. You just haven't I had mean, the I'm opportunity excited. to devote enough time to getting good at F Sharp. <laughs> well, I would love to. You know, I think that what's interesting is Miguel has always been a big F Sharp fan. We have templates mm-hmm. in Visual Studio for Mac for F Sharp, and there's some in Visual Studio. And I think we just get a lot of questions because I think there's a lot of people that are interested in functional programming or coming from a different, yeah. you know, um, you know, world of programming and F sharp feels more natural. So I think it'll be nice. I mean, right now, everything works really well with C sharp, like everything. Mm -hmm. And once you get out of that bubble, which is like, Hey, I want to start using XAML or I want to do this other thing. Like the stuff kind of doesn't meld very easily. (laughs) So it'd be cool to see that really come together. Yeah. And actually Xamarin's been having a great push in this regard. They have at least a couple engineers devoted to making sure that F sharp runs nicely, but of course nothing beats having the designer of the language spearheading that effort, right? Because they know where all the problems are. They have the experience of other people using them over the years, all the experience with integrating with visual studio and all of that stuff. And at the same time, just having them around is going to be awesome. <laughs> just having them <laughs> thinking about mobile problems. I think F sharp often is talked about in the financial communities because it's such a nice modeling language and it's really good at doing um, data computations, that kind of stuff. And so I think all that knowledge and all that experience in solving these hard problems, they really lend themselves to mobile apps. I like to joke that mobile apps are just UIs hitting a database or something like that. They're kind of dumb. But the truth is, they're becoming more and more sophisticated, and they're really real apps now. They're doing actual computations that are actually important. And so having a robust, powerful language like F-sharp is always a boon, and having the leader of F-sharp working in that area is going to be awesome. Yeah, you know what I would really like to to see kind of in my last kind of James thought because I'm such a C-sharp developer, Hmm. I would love to see some collaboration between the collaboration between like the C-sharp team and the F-sharp teams kind of melding those worlds together. I mean, and what I mean by that, Frank, is like making it easier to integrate F-sharp code in Mm C-sharp and vice versa, because wouldn't it be really cool if I could just have my F-sharp file right side by side my C sharp file or something like that. And it just worked. Mm-hmm. I always That'd wanted cool. the, I always wanted a multi-language build system. I thought our projects that are stuck on one language were always kind of silly, but we don't so have cool. that today. Yeah. We Stupid don't. compilers. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Who knows? All right. Speaking of stupid compilers, our next topic is one that's always near and dear to my heart. And someone was asking about performance on the Discord. And I think their biggest question was, how do you make sure that your app starts up quickly? So I'll throw this one to you because, you know, I can talk about performance forever. 
Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's so many different aspects to think about when you think of performance and, you know, we've talked about performance on the podcast before many a times. I think we have every week, there's like something in performance we want to talk about. And I think the main question that they had was not only just startup time, but what is this Xamarin forms versus Xamarin versus Xamarin <laughs> classic versus Xamarin native? What does it oh, all mean? <laughs> all right, let me settle okay. this for you, Frank. Okay. Xamarin. Xamarin is the platform, right? Xamarin is just how you build .NET, iOS, and Android apps, right? It's just the runtime more than anything. Don't forget the Mac and, the, and Mac. And the tooling <laughs> and Mac, yeah, and Linux and all that good stuff. Now, how you build those apps are in one of two ways. No matter how you're building your app, you're building a native application. You're just choosing how you want to build the user interface. You want to build it with iOS storyboards and Android XML and storyboards for Mac, or do you want to build a cross-platform user interface? Now, when we talk about performance, to me... If you are building a mission critical app that needs to boot up in under a second and it needs to be the most performant application in the entire world, well, you want to strip away any framework and any dependencies <laughs> that you're using. That means stop using IOC, stop using dependency mm. services, stop mm. using cross-platform user Ouch. interface, stop using all these things mm. because... Those are all things that need to, one, get loaded into memory. You're not no longer accessing native APIs. You're you're no longer going to the metal, right? I think that's the yeah. thing is if you want to go okay. to the metal, you got to go to the metal. Yeah, I, I want to agree with you because I guess that's okay advice, but I don't want to agree with you. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> my biggest thing with performance is simply don't do much. <laughs> I mean, mm. it sounds it sounds stupid. Like um, you're saying remove libraries, but I'm saying you can keep the libraries. Just make sure they don't all load at the same time. Actually, .NET is very good at delayed loading stuff. So as long as you don't reference anything, it won't get touched until that very point. And so my usual tricks are I actually just look at my startup path of the code and make sure that I'm inflating a tiny bit of user interface, but that's it. The app just pops up instantly. Everything else I do, I do on a background thread, all that kind of stuff. So I know where you're coming from, where you say get rid of libraries. And the reason I would agree with you there is you just never know what other people's libraries are doing. You can't control their initialization. You don't know what background work they're doing and all that stuff. And if you're running into trouble, that's a, a place to start. But the truth is, you just have to spend a little a bit of engineering time and just say, well, this app doesn't need to read the database when it's first starting up. All it literally has to do is put a black screen up with some text. We don't need a database call for that. And just start working from there. Get your app up fast. After that, I mean, the reason I use Xamarin and I'm still a performance freak is because Xamarin's fast. It's all our code that's slow, honestly. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's usually your fault if your app is slow. <laughs> I always like to say we can make the best platform and the runtime can be the fastest and it can be one to one, just like we say, but I can still write bad code. Anyone can write bad code. Oh my You're God, right. Yeah. I mean, I look at a lot of Android videos and they talk about how to make sure there's very minimal things in your on create and make sure that there's mm -hmm. minimal things in your activity if you override or application if you override the application. Yeah. And the, the reason I say, you know, strip back your dependencies is because sometimes developers, we want to just install everything under the sun. Mm -hmm when we may not need it. So I'm not saying don't install anything, you know, install yeah. the plugins, you're fine. <laughs> but I think it's to thinking about exactly what you're saying, which is what is there at boot up time? What is causing that delay, right? Can I use something like Xamarin native forms to, to go that route? Can I um, optimize my, my boot ups? Can I do different animations? Can I do a splash screen? Can I think about what is going to help my end application? Um, to not do at the beginning. And that's the biggest thing is because 
your application, what your <laughs> users wait around for is that initial boot. So I think that's a yeah. good way of thinking about it um, in general. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that little reminder there. Animations, by the way, on most mobile platforms are free. They're all executed yeah. by the GPU. So just uh, start up a little cute animation of a bird tweeting or whatever you need and, <laughs> and do your loading in the background. But yeah. uh, it's it's this is real engineering work. You know, this is when we actually have to pretend to be professionals and measure things and figure it out. I don't think that there's any uh, magic bullet for performance. It's really just measure and fix it. Yeah, I think so. And then you use tools that are at your disposal, like profiling tools and things like that, too, I think is important. That's just for any application, not just a Xamarin application, because I think about my my website was running slower. So what did I do? Well, I I went in and I scaled up my server, <laughs> you know, I was on like a free tier. So <laughs> it's, slow it's, it's on the free tier. But even think about that, you know. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. All right. I got one that I added myself because I was really stoked. <laughs> um, and it's, I don't know, it's not really a conversation piece that much, but it's kind of a follow-up to our .NET Core, .NET Standard talk. Okay. Um, I've been building a website with UI, as you know. Ooh, yes. And uh, recently I needed to do some blog aggregation. So into RSS feeds, create multiple mm. one RSS feed off of multiple RSS feeds coming in. Mm. And... Okay. Um, this is doable because we do it for Planet Xamarin, which is like a blog community aggregate. And we have like a hundred blogs that all get aggregated into one sure. RSS feed. Yeah. B- but um, what was kind of interesting here is the library that we use, like well, that I use, UWE, is a .NET standard um, package mm-hmm. in a .NET Core 2.0 app. Now, the NuGet that we use, it's called Blog Monster, that we use inside of Planet Xamarin is a .NET 4 assembly. Oh, I see okay. where this conversation is going. Oh, that mm-hmm. little piece of magic. Okay. Now, it also has two other dependencies, Markdown Sharp, which is like a seven-year-old library, <laughs> sure. um, and also another one from the library's creator, which I guess what, are .NET 4-ish yeah. libraries. That's what everyone was releasing original NuGet as. That's why we as the Xamarin mobile community were honestly getting a little frustrated with NuGet because none of that stuff would work for us on, say, iOS because these old .NET libraries, the NuGet flat out wouldn't even install in our apps. It would just say, haha, not supported. Go get .NET standard. But exactly. I think you just learned a cute little feature they threw into .NET standard. Yes, which is this magical NuGet.NET wrapping awesomeness. So when yeah. you go to, now it's not bulletproof. It's not bulletproof. It is. It's perfect. So when you go to install a NuGet and uh, it, it's not a .NET standard library or PCL or something compatible, it will just pull it in anyways and then give it a little warning flag. And it'll say, uh-huh. hey, this probably should work just fine. Probably just works just fine. <laughs> um because it may be making some specific calls that aren't in .NET standard, but they're like, hey, most likely we've added so many libraries in .NET standard 2.0, it should yeah. work. Yeah. So I, I have... took BlogMonster mm-hmm. and brought it in. It took me about a half an hour because I was able to bring in all of the dependencies and all the code. And I made a pull request to actually convert it to .NET standard. There was like one little framework that didn't work. Mm. But I had to just go find the other nougats and bring it in. But it all basically okay. just worked. It was magical. That's awesome. I've wanted this feature forever. Uh, rewinding time back to when we were simple mobile developers and we didn't have .NET standards. Um, 
In the very early days of Xamarin, they would allow us to consume these .NET libraries, which were technically compiled for a different platform and technically could reference code that didn't exist. But the truth was, they usually just worked. It was usually just fine. But I think one day Xamarin got tired of all the support problems that this was creating, and they disabled that feature. And I've always wanted it back because, you know, if I'm looking for a class called string and string exists somewhere, then, you know, just use that one. I, I'm going to test my app. I'm, I don't need the compiler to be perfect. I'm going to run some test passes. But no one else agrees with me. <laughs> Everyone's like a lawyer out there. They're like, oh, no, only exact framework matching, version matching, all of that. So this is such a cool thing. As a part of the .NET standard, they said that anything that supports .NET standard also has to be able to do this automagical wrapping thing where it, like you said, creates these, I, sorry, these using this word wrapper, but it pretends Ish. that an old library yeah. is a modern library. And that's such a great feature. Yeah, because it knows the namespaces. It's like, hey, if you're using system.whatever, yeah. guess what? It's still system.whatever, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, chances are it, I didn't write my own string class. It's just not going to happen. And and you're right. You know, And when you compile it, it gives you a little warning to say, hey, we're just letting you know that it mm -hmm, may, mm -hmm. it should work, but it may not work, right? And for, for me, I was able to bring in this big library that saved me so much work you know, and brought it yeah. in just via this NuGet package and it just worked. I was really pretty much blown away. Yeah, and I, I didn't even know about this feature at first because everyone just wants you to write these .NET standard libraries. I found out from one of the PMs on the .NET team. They're like, hey, did you know it does this? I'm like, what? Blew my mind because I there's one library out there I want that they refuse to upgrade it. It's, you know, it's .NET forever. And so I'm stuck having to import it in that form. So thank goodness um, the practicalities won over the yeah, lawyers. <laughs> that said, I also then took the open source library and then made a proper conversion to .NET Standard 2.0. So I'm just saying and did a pull request like a and good that's community good. member. Yeah. Yeah. It's just enabling us to consume everything on NuGet instead of being limited. Yeah. All right, Frank, let's take a little break. Let's let our brains uh, decompress a little bit. We've covered oof. three topics and let's thank our amazing, awesome sponsor this week. Frank, do you like developer conferences? Oh, I love developer conferences, but you know, I haven't been to any in a while. Um, any recommendations? Yeah, well, you know, our good friends over at Visual Studio Live, sponsors this week of Merge Conflict, they've been a trusted source of developer-focused content since 1993. They've been doing it for 25 years, Frank, 25 years. I can't believe people have been programming computers for 25 years, let alone talking about them. <laughs> it's crazy. They, they talk about all things in the Microsoft ecosystem, and they have their brand new 2018 series. This is awesome, Frank, because Visual Studio Live is all over the United States. They have shows all throughout the year, and their very first one is in Las Vegas at Bally's from March 11th through the 16th. And what's cool here is they talk about all topics in the Microsoft ecosystem, whether it's cross-platform mobile development with Xamarin, Azure, .NET Core, all the great stuff we talk about on Merge Conflict with Visual Studio, DevOps. They have amazing speakers from around the world that come and speak at VS Live. And what's great is that we've worked directly with them to ensure that our listeners have an awesome discount code to get $500 off signing up for any of their conferences. So you can check the show notes below for not only the dates for Las Vegas, but all of the dates throughout the year. So all you got to do is go to vslive.com, pick a show and enter coupon code merge conflict at checkout and you get $500 off. So if you're like, hey, I want to go to a conference this year, Frank hasn't gone in a while, 
Go pick out a show, get $500 off, take a look at all the great content. And one of the favorite things that I'll talk about since I'm a, I'm a speaker often at VS Live and I'll be in Vegas actually, is something that they call birds of a feather. So that you have all the sessions, you have all the sponsor areas, you have all this great stuff, but how do you actually connect? Sometimes for me, conferences are cool to go learn stuff, but also to connect with people in the community and the speakers. So birds of a feathers, they have all these tables with topics and with the speakers. So Frank, you're like, oh man, James just gave the most amazing presentation ever. Just go sit Totes. down at my table and boom, you get to chat with me all throughout lunch and afterwards. All the speakers love it. So go check it out. Go to vslive.com. And thanks again for Visual Studio Live for sponsoring Merge Conflict. That birds of a feather sounds pretty awesome. Just speaking as a speaker, I'm normally an introverted person. I don't really want to talk to anyone. But when I'm in speaker mode at a conference, I actually do want to talk to everyone. So it's nice to have um, this like easy way for people to get to talk to speakers and build that up. That's super cool. I like it. All right, Frank, let's go to something a little bit more businessy. This <laughs> came in via an email, which I was pretty excited to finally talk about. Uh, the email came in from, I believe it was from Dave. Um, he asked specifically, hey, when I'm releasing applications onto these app stores, how should I be releasing them? Should I have an LLC set up? Like, what's the business side of app development look like? <laughs> Frank, <laughs> go. Let's start with neither of us are lawyers. I'm not a lawyer. Are you a lawyer, James? I am not a lawyer, no. Okay. But let's be very clear about something. Absolutely do not release apps under your own personal name and identity and all that liability stuff. Absolutely. Yes, please, for the love of God, create a business. It's like a 100 bucks to create an LLC. It's three forms. You get to make up a name. It's kind of fun. Please do this. It's very important. There are a lot of crazy people in the world. Um, you just have to wrong the wrong person in the wrong way once, and they can throw lawyers at you and really ruin your life. So limited liability. It's all in the name. You want to limit your liability in all of this shenanigans. Absolutely. Do it. Do it. No excuses. Yeah. I would say the biggest mistake that I made when I was signing up for um, iTunes was that I just signed up for a personal developer account. Mm -hmm. I started releasing apps. I was like, oh, yeah. whatever, right? Sure. <laughs> and then I was like, hmm, that seems bad because it just has my name everywhere. I mean, granted, it is my name. But then yeah. it was fine when everything was free. But then once I started putting ads and having in-app purchases, it was kind of uh, weird. What, what was weird about it? I'm curious. Just, just having your once, name everywhere? Yeah, having my name associated with it that like mm -hmm. I was now uh, James Montemagno, the person is taking money from people yes. exchanging for goods <laughs> and I'm not a business. So I have for a long time always uh, set up an LLC, Refractored LLC. It's um, mm -hmm. who actually runs this podcast and my network. Um, and what's what i did there is i just set it up for myself i had it in the state of arizona now in the state of washington and it's super easy to do every state is a little bit different and again mm -hmm. we're not lawyers so you'll have to look up your own stuff um but it takes not much time and i will say i did a few other things so i not only set up my llc but when i did that i also have a p.o box down at my post office smart which that way i don't have to give my own personal <laughs> at home address to these businesses yeah and then I use um, something from Capital One Three Sixty. So these are the things that I use, um, which is a yeah. yeah services, which is a small business um, checking account. Yeah, it's, sure. you know, just me. Yeah, and pretty then, much. Okay. Yeah, I'm not done. I keep going. Mm -hmm. And then I use mm -hmm. um, Intuit, which is like Turbo's taxes. They have a self 
you know, whatever free service that they do. And that'll handle all my taxes for me. But for me, it's really, really simple. I'm not incorporated. I don't have businesses, but when you see everything, you'll see refractored LLC Mm -hmm. as my LLC. And the important part is that if someone sues me, they're not suing me, they're suing the LLC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat, except for due to the history of my company, I have a slightly more larger legal structure. Mm -hmm. So my company is a corporation. It's a sole proprietorship, but it's just a detail. Um, It's a little more expensive to create a proper corporation, but still kind of worth it. You still get the uh, liability-free stuff. All banks out there have wonderful little programs for small businesses. So go shop around, use your favorite Mm -hmm. bank, whatever. They'll tell you exactly what they need. They'll honestly hold your hand through the whole process because you know banks they're greedy they want your money so (laughs) they'll they'll help you through it so if you ever have questions just ask one of them honestly and um there's just so many services it's fine but absolutely go do it it's worth every penny just to have that separation of concerns between yourself and all the crazy stuff you're about to do online yeah did, have you ever had, were you ever thankful for it? Bring out your dad, like any bad stories here? <laughs> <laughs> no, no bad stories at all. I mean, I have received cease and desist letters before. Ooh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it happens. And it, it's a lot nicer when they're asking the LLC to cease and desist than James mm-hmm. Montemagno to cease and desist. Mm-hmm. Um, and Plus, you know, the thing is, I, I just never, you never know, right? Because what if one of my apps blows up overnight? I think that's the other thing is, At some point, if your applications are under a business and someone wants to acquire your business, they can do that. It's hard to acquire James Montemagno. Well, it becomes a property exchange and intellectual mm-hmm. property exchange versus just selling off your Disney business. <laughs> I think I was channeling Disney there. Like I'm, I'm hoping Disney will buy my business someday. But. There you go. <laughs> Plus, uh, the most important part is once you have a business, you can start using the pronoun we. So uh, mm. we decided to release this app. Uh, we are having trouble releasing this app. <laughs> it's sometimes good to be able to displace like that. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. And if you do, too, a nice thing, too, is since you'll start to use these addresses and things that are, you know, I set up a business email account and these are things. So it really decouples you from the the applications. And yeah, and then when someone downloads your application, they look at it as if they're downloading it from a business. They don't know that it's one person. They don't know that it's there. They just know that they're downloading an app from Refractor LLC, not necessarily James Montemagno. Yeah, and especially when it comes to email, make sure you get a separate domain because when you're on vacation, you want to be able to not look. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, you ready for this one? I'm super excited about this one because uh, our good friend David Ortnow um, Mm -hmm. wrote a little blog post which spurred some conversation from our patrons who wanted us to discuss our feelings and thoughts on not only CSS, but CSS inside of Xamarin Forms. Woo, okay. I want to go first because I don't know why, I just want to. I'm excited for this. Um, I haven't done too much Xamarin Forms stuff, but for obvious reasons, I'm doing more of it and more of it lately because it's smart. And I have found that I am just putting style information all over the place. And it really does feel like 1990s HTML right now in the XAML world, where I have font size, uh, uh, color, and attributes in pretty much every element because a good design, FYI, takes different colors and (laughs) different styles everywhere. So CSS allows you to... um, 
take a separate tact from that, separating styling from the content of the page. And while I normally don't like things to get split apart, I like to be able to just focus on them. I think that this is a huge, good change in the XAML world because we can at least finally uh, decide upon some standard app styles and use them all throughout without having to play with resource dictionaries or anything uh, complicated like that. But we can simply use a language, a domain-specific language for styling the app. And I think it was very smart of Xamarin to just adopt a web standard for that. Yeah, I guess, you know, I think I always have a a bunch of mixed feelings when it comes Mm -hmm. to web development. And I think a lot of people, (laughs) when they saw this announcement, were like, oh, my goodness, like Xamarin Forms is going all web and blah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, They're not, right? You don't have to use it. It's complimentary. Yeah, it's complimentary. Yeah, if... Honestly, it's a lot easier to just put all the styling information into the form itself because mm-hmm. keeping all your content together, that's an easier way to edit something. Spreading it out over 10 different files makes editing very difficult. But that doesn't mean that spreading it out over 10 different files isn't useful. If I have an app that has 30 different pages, but they're all very kind of basic and I want to style all of them very quickly, then this is a much preferred way to do that than entering the same font size 800 times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, when we talk about performance too, styles are a big part of that, whether you're going to do, if you put all of them in your app.xaml, it has to load up all of them compared to page by page. So what's kind of nice here is that you can kind of have these cascading style sheets, right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. literally what it is, CSS. And um, you could kind of mix and match those together. So you could add a few and, and mix and match them all up. And what's nice here is that everything that worked in the the normal XAML style will work here too. So to me, it's like very complimentary. This kind of opens up the world to a lot of other developers that are used to using CSS for styling. And in fact, in fact, I'm terrible at styling. I just love putting all my <laughs> values in every control. I'm bad, uh, but I love styles. When I use mm-hmm. them, I started using them in the live player. And I was like, oh, this is so much better, right? <laughs> um, but what's um, nice here is that if any uh, anyone else is doing styling and you're doing web development, you're used to less and SAS and using Gulp and all that stuff on a daily basis. Well, this actually fits into your your normal process, right? Because you could be doing that for like ASP.NET or something else and using all the SAS and all this ridiculousness. And then you could still be using all of that knowledge for the actual app. So this is kind of nice for teams that are already doing a lot of web development. They want to make the transition over or you're like, you know what? I'm tired of creating two different types of styling. I just want to standardize on one. And guess what? (laughs) This will work in web and in your Xamarin Forms app. Uh, plus or minus, they changed a few names on us, so you, you won't get 100% fidelity between the two, but it's close enough. Honestly, I don't even think of it that way. Um, definitely someone who's done web programming will feel totally comfortable in it because it's the same language. But honestly, I just think it's better to have a domain-specific language for styling. You know, uh, having using the same language for every kind of content while possible is... Well, it's nice that it's possible and it's efficient that it's possible, but sometimes you want to use something designed for that task. CSS was designed for styling and to make styling easier. No matter how much people like to make fun of it or no matter how much trouble it's caused and all that with the incompatible implementations and all that, the fact is it was a language designed for styling and it just feels good to use something like that. Now, you mentioned something like SAS. That's uh, because CSS wasn't designed very well, so we've created (laughs) other 
languages like SAS and LESS uh, to make it easier. But of course, those are all compatible with this too. Yeah. So are you going to use this? I think I will, in fact. Um, I really don't like putting font size and font family font name, whatever it is, all, everywhere. I think that's just bad form. I, I, I'm a typography nerd, and I like my styling to be a specific way. So, yeah, anything that helps me control styling, I'm all in for. Nice. Yeah, I might give it a go. I might, I'll try it out for sure. I, I may use it in like UI applications once it yeah. becomes compatible, just because I'm already on the web and kind of mm-hmm. makes some sense, but we'll see. I also have to check. I like to make my apps a little dynamic in their theming so I can have a dark mode and a light mode. I'd have to mm-hmm. see how to pull off such tricks with this if it can cool. or not. I have yeah. to do some research. Yeah. All right, Frank, last one. You ready to roll this down? <laughs> this is a big question. This came in from Luce from our Discord chat. Um, and it was a, a bigger question in general, but we kind of boiled it down to kind of as a C-sharp.net developer in general, since we do a lot of Xamarin development, what do we think are some other technologies? Luce asked some more about .NET technologies, but I want to say any technology in general worth investing in. <laughs> this is such a big topic. How can we possibly answer this in five minutes? I got nothing, man. I mean, if you want to talk about big technologies, I'm going to go broad first. I'm just going to say networking. I find it a little bit shocking how little people know about normal net. I was about to say modern networking, but I'm literally talking about 1970s Unix networking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm always surprised by what people do and don't understand about IP versus TCP versus, you know, raw Ethernet versus, you know, a UDP protocol and all that stuff. And I know in the modern world, we all use HTTP and HTTP solves every problem. <laughs> but the truth is, it doesn't. Like, um, I, I'm working on a project right now where I have to communicate with another external app and I'm doing it over a, a Unix domain socket. This is 2018. Oh God, it's 2018. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm writing this kind of code. I'm writing 1970s Unix code. It doesn't go away. So I would say just learn your networking, people. It's a good skill. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually funny because I agree with you. I was, I, I did a lot of interviews back in the day and I actually had that question, which was, you know, when would you use TCP versus UDP and what are the mm. differences? <laughs> And because yeah. I did so much of this when I worked at Seton, I was able to really answer ah, answer cool. it very specifically. And I was doing UD, you know, TCP multicast and all this this craziness. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that's super important. I think for me, who's been such a um, uh, a Xamarin person for the last few years, I think for me, I be, I came really out of touch with anything besides that. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's really been hard for me to break away from just mobile application development. Like I love my Android development I like my iOS development, <laughs> but it's been really hard for me to go and do other things. And what I mean by that is I had to go learn how to use JavaScript and TypeScript to make a Visual Studio yeah. extension. I had to learn how to take this website and publish it into Azure. And I had to figure out how to ASP.NET routing worked like it still blows my mind, you know, how do I, how do I create that RSS aggregator feed that's running in an ASP.NET website or like I was building Montemagno.com and that's a, a a website that's powered by 8,000 different JavaScript frameworks with gulp (laughs) and grunt. And how do I use visual studio code to do that? Right? Like Mm -hmm. it, it was worth my time and energy because I now feel like while I'm not an expert on it, I could at least 
get down and figure out how to pull up TypeScript and actually get some IntelliSense and compile it inside of Visual Studio Code. And I couldn't do that before. So <laughs> it seems like I'm talking about a lot of web technologies and I kind of am a little bit just because I think it's really good just to know some of that stuff. And that's just me because I just never did web development. I always kind of despised it. Yeah, on, as I was about to say, unfortunately, but I'm just going to say the web is important. You can't avoid it. Even as mobile developers, we spend a lot of our time at least making API calls to servers because it's the modern world and we want intercommunication between devices. We want easy data sharing and all that. So inevitably, you're going to be hitting a server. And I think inevitably, you're going to end up designing that server to some degree. You might have a department that is ostensibly responsible for the API, but without guidance from the app team telling them what do we need, what information do we need from this API, it can't mm -hmm. get designed. So you have to know at least the basics of like, what is efficient on a database driven web server? Um, how do I call, how do I self host one of these little test servers and be able to do that? Every few months, I start up a new uh, node project and build a tiny little website in it purely to keep up with that crazy community because mm -hmm. they are so fast in uh, the evolution of their libraries, their styles, the web itself changes. And so every so often I just create new new web projects and just make sure that I can still do all that stuff. Yeah, I would say what's worth investing in is what will get you out of your comfort zone? You know, is mm -hmm. it going and play around with, you know, a, a website or is it with hardware or is it with some IoT device or is it something up in Azure in machine learning or AWS or somewhere else, right? Some technology where like, I've heard this. I think that's what keeps coming back to me is like, I've heard this over and over and over again, but I don't know how to use it. And if I yeah. keep hearing it, I should probably know how to use it <laughs> or at least have an and idea. I and I'll throw out uh, two other little ones that I'm currently working on in that vein. Uh, one is animation. I don't feel like I'm ever good enough at animation. I always want my apps to have more animation. So I'm constantly teaching myself and relearning core animation because that puppy changes constantly too. And then on the server side, I'm learning the Docker because you can't have an intelligent conversation with someone <laughs> who runs servers without talking about Docker. So you unfortunately have to know all, all these words and how to deal with it. That's true. Actually, you know, what's kind of funny about that before we wrap this up is, is it's not necessarily what technology, whether it be something else in the world of .NET or some framework, sometimes it's just about getting better at what you're doing today. You know, if I'm an Android person, like I am technically, like <laughs> I love just deep diving into Android support libraries and figure out how they're doing and how this, all this stuff works out, I geek out on it. Just to become the expert in that, like is something that I think is really crucial nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. Always more to learn. These libraries are so big. They are. All right, Frank, we did it. Woo! I think we might have gone over on two of them, but we were darned close. We were pretty good. Five minutes well, each. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, you know, it's the start of the new year. We had to like, you know, get into it a little bit. <laughs> still um, warming up. <laughs> yeah, literally. We're still warming up. <laughs> Um, cool. Um, I think it's awesome. Yet another awesome merge conflict. Thanks for everyone that actually sent in your awesome recommendations. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can do that. You know, you can do that by a going to mergeconflict.fm. You can hit contact. You can send us emails, anything you want. You don't have to wait around for another 10 episodes. You can go on Twitter. You can yell at us there at mergeconflict.fm. If you want to be super awesome and amazing, you can, of course, support us on Patreon, uh, where you can actually donate a little bit of money every month. You get awesome rewards like joining us in the 
Discord chat. We have some awesome rewards such as stickers and handwritten notes. And now what we're doing, because much requested from the Discord listeners, is that they get the podcast earlier. If you want to just listen to them early, as soon as we have them ready to post, <laughs> boom, we just post them in the Discord chat and you get to listen to them, which is super rad. So if that's something that you really need, head over to mergeconflict.fm and hit that support button. Um, I think that's about it, Frank. Anything else from you? No, it's been a good week. Looking forward to still getting this 2018 figured out and all excited. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks again to Visual Studio Live for sponsoring. Head to vslive.com to learn about all of their awesome developer conferences. And until next time, this has been another glorious episode of Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.